Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Two Footed Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, Aris Tarkos. We're back again for another episode as the camera framing isn't quite right and I probably should have done this before filming, but this is what you call professionalism 101. Is that better? We're going to go with that. That looks slightly better. And if you've not noticed, here's, here's like a little insight. The camera isn't actually framed properly. Um, well, basically, when I... A couple of things, and this is going to be a very long tangent, and this is actually going to suit the theme of this podcast, because I have nothing to talk about, just quietly. But um, if, if for those for those watching on YouTube, for those listening on Spotify, I apologize, because you'll have no idea what I'm about to speak about. But um, these things behind me, these like posters behind me, um, when I put them up initially... And I went to record. I was like, hey, they look a bit wonky. So, and I was like, what? Why is that? Why is that so? And I realized that for the first, for the first maybe fifty episodes of this podcast, um, I was filming with my camera on a very, very noticeable diagonal, um, on a very noticeable slant, and it wasn't noticeable because there was nothing in the background; it was just a plain white wall. So, um, there you go. And when I and then once I fixed that, I realized, oh yeah, it looks really weird if I if I position myself actually central of the um of the of both the paintings and I move my camera so that it's actually central because there would be because of this kind of wall, because of this wall type thing, like I say wall type thing, it's called a wall, um because it's because it's like obviously the end of the back wall and it moves onto the side, it looks a lot shorter than what it does and it looks a lot closer to the wall than what it does. So if I position the camera in the middle of both those posters, they actually, it makes the, it makes the framing look really, really odd and makes it look really weird. So um, yeah, there you go. There's some carpentry lessons for, for, from me, a person who's never been within 50 50 50 meters of power tool and went to a grammar school so um that's why i'm not a chippy and that's why i that's why i chat shit about football for 45 50 minutes a week um yeah so there's there's something um i hope everyone's well i hope everyone's well um labor day a public holiday for those who live in victoria for those who live in australia and victoria um well yeah so um yeah there's, I'm just going to be honest, I don't know, I've got nothing to speak about, I've, hence, hence the really long intro, there was, um, 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 yeah, there was not a lot, not a lot, um, there was not a lot of, um, things that happened, um, over the weekend, and over the week of football, so I'm just going to try and fill time for as much as possible, not fill time, but this is going to be the definition of a reset pod, now, a reset pod is a ter- is a term term coined by the James and Flav for now podcast. James and I talk about, um, hosts it, and it's basically just a pod where there's no real running order, no real run sheet, just kind of try and chat shit. And um, if this is your first podcast, go back and listen to the other ones because th- those will be actual podcasts and actually about football. This probably won't even be about football for the most of it. Um, they've just got nothing to speak about. So yeah, if, if this is your first pod, go back and watch go back and watch the other pods. So, uh, because um, they're probably a little bit more down your alley if you want actual football chat. But basically, um, the first line of my podcast of my run sheet is just ch- is just chat shit um, in block capitals. So that's good, isn't it? We're going to be touching on the Barcelona corruption thing, um, Gary Lineker and the BBC, and then the A League, where 
chat as well and victory are playing in exactly an hour so um in in 57 minutes victory are kicking off so if i if so i would hope to get this done by the time i would hope to get this done by the time um that game starts so i can go and watch it so um yeah let's i say let's kick things off make sure you subscribe to two for attack podcast on on youtube TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Twitter. Um, um, yeah, do all that good stuff. If you if you're an AFL fan, and for those listening in the UK, you probably have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, for those Aussie viewers, if you are an AFL fan, go on over to the Blue 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 YouTube channel. I am a, I am an I am an ever present there every Wednesday afternoon, every Wednesday nights, um, and. Yeah, if also head over to the Inner Sanctum YouTube channel as well, where I do some stuff there on occasion. So um, yeah, there you go. There's all the plugging and stuff. I don't know why I decided to plug all my things that I do, but um, yeah, there you go. There's also a link trade bio in my personal socials and also the Inner Sanctum and also the Two Foot Tackle Podcast socials, not the Inner Sanctum socials, unfortunately. But yes, there we go. As I continuously, continuously chat shit. Okay, let's let's kick things off. Five minute intro. So. I, I said last week the intro would be condensed, and I ended up speaking for an hour and a half. So maybe with this slightly long intro, we can not speak for as long. But let's let's kick things off. I've got no idea where to start. Let's start with one of the two things on my on my on my run sheet. Um, let's start things off with what happened with um, um, what should we do? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this. I'm gonna completely reverse the structure. Let's 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 start with A League chat. What shall we? Let's start with A League chat. So for those once again, if you're if you are listening to this not from the A League or um, not from the A League, not from Australia, you're probably just gonna skip to the second half of these podcasts. But I will be yeah. Let's touch on the let's touch on the A League. So um, basically, I, I I say let's touch on the A League. Nothing not a lot happened except Nestor Irukunda scored again. Which colour my shock, right? Is that even a phrase? Imagine my shock. Um, it's just he, he's just he, he he's just inevitable. He's just absolutely inevitable. He scored again on the weekend in Adelaide's four two win over Newcastle in the Hunter. It was once again a, a textbook Irukunda finish, breaking in between the lines using his incredible play, incredible pace, and just hitting the ball at terminal velocity. It seems like and just absolutely rifling it into the back of the net. And um, a very very funny graphic, a very very funny graphic was put out by um, uh, by the A League socials, um, which I think is going to cause a lot of shit. But basically, I I I think the I think a very personally this, I think a very legitimate question has to be asked is, is Nestor Irukunda better than Erling Haaland? Because at seventeen years and one month, Nestor Irukunda has played has played twenty six games, scored seven goals, and got two assists. When Erling Haaland was seventeen years old and one month, he had played forty six games, scored six goals, and only got one assist. So the stats don't lie, and I'm not saying anything. But look at the numbers. Just look at the numbers. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm definitely not suggesting that Nestor Irukunda is a better player than Erling Haaland. But maybe something in that. Maybe something in that. Who knows? Who knows if um Irukunda can become better than Erling Haaland if he isn't already. So that that's gonna cause a lot of shit. I can tell. If anyone clips, if anyone decides to clip that up, um, I'll probably clip that up myself and chuck that on the TikTok. Um, cause that 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 would be good fun. But yeah, 
Um, I think it's just I think it's just poignant to speak about Eric Lundell. We spoke about him last week, but like he's just so good. Like we, I said we spoke about him last week. I think we spoke about him last week and the week before. He's just so good. Like he's just inevitable. Like there's just something about him. There's an aura about him that is just frightening. Like he's frightening, frightening. And he's a player that you know when when, when we look at the likes of. When we when we think about crowd attraction for the A League, and we think about how how do we get more players or how do we get more fans into the A League grounds, the, the the mind immediately goes to get better marquees in. Like we saw what the likes of Del Piero did for the league and players like this, where it's like you had to go, you had to go to watch Alessandro Del Piero, one of the best players, one one of the best players, maybe not to ever play, but definitely a world 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 class talent, right? Uh, and considering the the heavy migrant community that football and Australia has been or has, bringing someone like Del Piero in very good, right? And a lot of people have been screaming, "Yeah, get more people like Del Piero in," right? I don't think that works because it's just a sugar fix. Because Del Piero isn't going to be here forever, and if you're going to just see Del Piero, the likelihood of you, I mean, there is, I mean, I think the aim is to like bring. Like, get Del Piero in, people go for Del Piero, and then they'll... Obviously, you don't go to the football to watch one player, you watch you go to the football to watch a whole team and to go to watch a football game. So when you watch Del Piero and you see other players and you see teams and you see goals and little bits of skill and some good players and some good saves and some good games, you might get um, attracted, in a sense, or you might, get, you might get that investment into the league, right? Which, obviously, is the main aim. So I can understand why marquees are an, are an important part. And considering, obviously, the salary cap situation, we need to make the most of these marquees, which makes them even more valuable because there's not a lot, because there's not a lot, lot of them, right? Which I completely understand. However, when you've got the likes of Iracunda, like, I've, I've never felt more... I mean, and I know despite the, the shitstorm, that this season has been, for the most part. Of course, we all know what happened with Danny and his boys um, and what, what he's done to the league, right? But I've never been more... Like, I've never looked at a set of fixtures more in my life and thought, when is Adelaide United playing? Or when is another team not other than Melbourne Victory playing? Because you just need to watch Irukunda. You just need to. You just need to, at any chance you get, Flick it on in the second half when it gets subbed on because something more often than not something's going to happen whether it's a goal an assist a good piece of skill or whatever something is going to happen something is going to happen when he has the ball and when he's on the pitch and it is the most he's one of the most I wouldn't say electrifying but he's a player that is that can that can truly truly attract people to games and can truly bring people to can truly bring people to to um to games and stuff and can really can really make that impact because he's so far more relatable than a lot of other players. He's far more relatable than like Del Piero, for example. He's Iracundo, grown up, grew up in a, like he's an he's Australian, right? He he played in youth academies. He's he would have grown up in similar areas to a lot of people. He he's very humble, very gracious, very just very down to earth and he's so talented and he's so young and it makes a lot of people believe and makes fantastic storylines it's quite funny you have Irukunda on one wing 
Goodwin on the other. You have a Socceroos hero who's in the twilight of his career playing for his boyhood club. You have that. You have that on one wing, and then you have the future of the Socceroos, one of the most exciting prospects to come out of the country in a long, long time. Um, with the, the nation's hopes kind of pinned on his shoulders at such a young age. This beautiful juxtaposition on either wing for Adelaide United creates a, such a fascinating story about them and such a fascinating um, aura about them and almost a, a must-watch kind of a must-watch kind of aura about Adelaide United this season because, because I mean, I know as a victory supporter, I, I hate them. I don't, I don't hate them, but I don't like them, right? I don't like the city. I don't like. I just. I just. Oh, I just don't like Adelaide United, right? But I can appreciate, and I think as a neutral supporter, and I think as, and I think doing this podcast has allowed me, and covering football more in depthly, especially over the last maybe eighteen months, sixteen months even, um, covering football more in depthly has allowed me to really remove my bias, and allowed, and and has allowed me to really remove my inherent, my inherent biases and my inherent grudges and my um not stereotypes my the words not coming to me but like my my feelings i guess towards certain teams and players etc like melbourne city and cdfc FC and adelaide and tottenham and arsenal and all these clubs right because obviously of my allegiances and i think it i mean does it help that victory suck and that chelsea aren't that great potentially but then again i feel like if Adelaide were terrible, or if City were terrible and Victory were really good, I feel like the disenfranchisement of that of the rivalry would probably be even bigger, because it's like we're so good, they suck. So let's just give them the, the, as many props as we can give them, like give them credit, because like it, to feel sorry for them in a sense. Whereas, whereas when you suck and your rivals are doing well, you want them to fail, and obviously when you're competing against each other, you want them to fail because it helps you, right? So. It's obviously, it's it's obviously one of those things. So I feel like I'm not in a position where I can. I feel like I'm not it, the position in which I sit in terms of my allegiances and my, the clubs that I support kind of allow me to um, feel certain ways about certain clubs and change my opinions on certain clubs. But I just have this feeling about Adelaide United, similarly to how I feel about Arsenal. Um, just can't help but get caught up in it. Just can't help but get caught up in it all. And so there's a lot of things to like about them. Obviously, Erikun's one of them. Goodwin's another one. Cooper Stadium is another one. Um, the fact that they have been a proper, ever-present A-League team, the fact that they aren't like a plastic club, the fact that they are a proper team helps. Um, kind of, kind of gives me a little bit more. Uh, um, gives me a little bit more oomph, if that's even a word, to um, or if that's even a phrase to like allow or support for a team to do well because um, because I, I like to see proper football clubs do well. That's why I don't like... That's why my hatred for Melbourne heart grew even more with Melbourne City because it's like, all right, you're one of them now. And despite, despite the good football the play, they play, the good players they have and the good academy they have, I, I, I just have strong feelings towards that club, right? But... Similar with Melbourne, with Manchester City as well. But yeah, there's just something about Adelaide. I don't know how I got onto this tangent. I think this kind of suits well to be a reset pod because there's real, there is no real plan about this. But um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate Adelaide United a lot. I appreciate Adelaide United a lot, and um, and the fact that 
the fact that Irukunda's part of it and the fact that Goodwin's part of it. I don't know. There's just something about them. And and they're probably the next bi- biggest challenges to Melbourne City. There's um they they're probably the next best um they're probably the next best best challenges to Melbourne City. Of course, they, they are a team. They sit second on the ladder right now. City, of course, have that game in hand, in which they already one 0 up. They're six points behind. Obviously, you got Central Coast. Um, you got Central Coast. You're third. You got an impressive four one win over Macarthur. Cummings scored a brace, so it's good to see him back on the scoreboard. I think Cummings. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he scored. I think he scored. Like a, I think he scored a brace, blanked in two games. Scored a brace, blanked in two games. And then scored a brace again. I think that's the stat. Let me bring it up quickly. Um, Cummings, here we go. So, yeah. So he scored. He scored a brace against Sydney, then blanked. Scored a brace against Perth, then blanked against Central Coast and Western Sydney, and then scored a and then scored a brace against Macarthur. So, um, they're like they're like London buses. Um, they're like London buses. They they don't come off them, but when they come, they come in a flurry. So. Yeah, I think this is shaping up to be a very, very competitive final series because you've obviously you've got City at the top of the heap. who of course, got a very good 2-1 win um, over Brisbane, Aiden O'Neill, with um, his first strike in particular was exceptional. He's a player that I don't think will be playing in Australia for too much longer. Um, yeah, he's a player who I don't think he's going to be playing in Australia for too much longer. One of the players that I mentioned last week for the players that I think for some young, not young, but some players who definitely deserve to have to definitely deserve to have a Socceroos cap. He's one of them. Yodi Boss was another one who played very well as well. Um, I think he might have... He, uh, he was... He was like... Yeah. I th- yeah. I think he was... Um, he was exceptional. On, he, was, he was good. I wouldn't say exceptional. Got a little bit carried away there. But he was very good um, against against um, Brisbane. And of course, they, they do sit at, the top, sit at the top of the heap. But then again, you've got, you've got... I mean, you've got the likes of Central Coast, Western Sydney, Wellington. To me... The battle for sixth is still very competitive. I think Newcastle are definitely a shout. I think Sydney are a shout. I think if Perth can get themselves go up and up and running, of course, they they have been a little bit of a of a I want to say banter club, but early on they didn't have the best of results. They had a very good period in the middle of the season. They've had a poor run of things in recent times, but um, they got that one to win over Western Sydney, which is massive for them. I think you can put a blanket over about. You can put a blanket over about three clubs, four clubs, Sydney, Newcastle, MacArthur, and Perth, I think. And maybe Western United if they do beat victory today, but I doubt it. But um, to me, I think, it should, I think it'll be Newcastle. I think the top six is set. If Newcastle... Newcastle going to jump Sydney, in my opinion. So I think it's going to be Newcastle, Wellington, Western Sydney, Central Coast, Adelaide, City, in that order, which is going to shape up for a very, very interesting final series because, of course, like I said, City are the out-and-out favourites. And then you've got Adelaide Central Coast, two very entertaining clubs, two clubs that score loads of goals and are very, very good to watch. Western Sydney, who are the staple club in the top six, who are just defensively solid, considered 18 goals this season, um, the lowest amount of any other club in the in the country. Only scored 27, but when you concede 18, you don't have to score that many goals to get results. You've got Wellington, who are still very exciting, of course. Um, Zwahida as well. Zwahida has been absolutely phenomenal. I think he's got... I think the studies he's he's scored an assist. He's got a goal and an assist in, I think, 16... No, in 14 of his last 16 games, which is mental. He scored, he scored a goal in his last 1, 2, 3, 4... In his last 4 games, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10... 11, 12, 
13. So he's got 13 goal contributions in 15 games. That is insane. Like that is insane. He didn't start he didn't start his campaign off that well. Didn't score or get an assist in his first 5 games, but he's hit the ground running or he hasn't hit the ground running. He's fired up very quickly after his poor first month and Oscar Sohida Maybe barring Jamie McLaren, who I think does top the um, goal-scoring charts with he scored. How many goals this season has he scored? Probably a lot. Um, he's a McLaren scored 18. Hasn't scored in his last. Hasn't scored in his last two. But so um, I think that I think the the title for best striker in the country. I think it's a very. Com- I think it's a very good conversation to have. I think it's a very good conversation to have. Who 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 is the best striker in the A League? Because you've got. You've got a, uh, I mean, if we look at the, if we look at the golden boot race, if we look at the golden boot race quickly, you've got, you've got, you've got McLaren on eighteen goals, Cummings on fourteen, and then Zwahida on twelve. Cummings has, uh, Cummings has four penalty goals. McLaren has seven penalty goals. Zwahida has two. So if you take away the penalty goals from the top three um, strikers in the league based on goals, Zwahida has ten, Cummings has ten, and McLaren has eleven. When you look at McLaren, he's probably more of a poacher and is a more like get getting behind kind of goal scoring striker. Cummings is far more creative, can drop deep, can dictate tempo a little bit in that final third. Swahida obviously offers a very good aerial presence. Is a is a very good kind of target man, maybe not target man, but a very good presence in the box. I think I think we're seeing three very very good strikers battle it out for the golden boot and battle it out for the for the title of the best striker in the league. If I had to. If I had to play one game and take one striker out of McLaren, Cummings, and Zwahida, I would probably go with Z- I'd probably go with Zwahida. Zahad. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Zwahida. I'm just gonna say that. Um, Zawada. That's probably how you pronounce his name. So out of yeah, that's probably how you pronounce his name. So out of Zawada, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm just looking at how it's spelled. I'm just going to pronounce it phonetically. So out of Zwahada, Zawada, Zawada, that's it. I'm just going to say Zwahada. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. But um, yeah, if I if I had to, um, I should probably, should probably have put it into Google Translate and figured out how to actually pronounce it. But if I had to take one strike out of McLaren, Cummings, and Zwahada for one game, it would probably be Zwahada or Cummings. But McLaren's goals were records unreal. I'll t- mm. uh, it's interesting. For one one game for my life, if I had to take one striker out of the, out of those three, I would take Zwahada, probably. I just think he's probably arguably got the best all round game. I think. But if you take McLaren, I don't blame you because he's just ruthless. And if you take Cummings, I don't blame you either because you, for the memes in it as well. Um, Zwahada, Zahada, Zwahada, Oscar Zwahada. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm going to assume that's how you pronounce his name. Um, but yeah, I think that's enough on A-League chat. Victor, of course, are playing today. I'm going to try to wrap this podcast up before that so I can watch it. It's in 37 minutes. The lineups are out. Um, pretty much the exact same lineup. It's the exact same lineup to the lineup we played against the, in the derby last week, which, of course, ended phenomenally. Um, yeah, so right, it would be interesting to see if, if Economides pushes beyond Fornaroli like he did last week. And then um, Prijevic and Botic up front for Western United. And Botic has scored in his last 
scored in his last two, scored three in his last four. And I think he's just signed a new deal as well, which is good for Western United because he's a one of the very few strikers, like I mentioned last week, that could potentially, or has, has some, I don't know how to describe it, but he's, he's a striker that needs to kind of take on Take on that that mantle that obviously Australia have a lot of young strikers. None of the none of whom are really taking taking the world by storm, unlike a certain Nasserio Kunda and potentially Garang Qual. But um, yeah, there you go. So I think that's I think that's enough A League chat to be honest. Twenty twenty four minutes, twenty more minutes maybe twenty five more minutes, and then we'll wrap things up. So let's let's move on, and let's actually go to let's. Move back. So instead of moving into A League chat, we're going to move out of A League chat and go back into like European football chat. Um, nothing happens. Nothing happens. So I'm just going to speak about two more other topics that surrounded football. Let's speak on what happened with Gary Lineker, shall we? Now, you may not have heard this if you're not on Twitter, but um, you may have you may have not. I know Craig Foster did a column in the Sydney Morning Herald about it. Um, basically, Gary Lineker. We all know Gary Lineker, famous striker, um, Leicester supporter, played for. Played for Barcelona, um, played for Everton as well, very briefly, I believe. So, and of course, very famous pundit, match of the day host. Now, he was, I think, stood down or was removed as host of match of the day by the BBC because of some tweets that he put out um, that basically went against a proposed bill that could be passed in UK government in UK parliament basically I don't want to get into the political side of things but basically the bill was about illegal immigration and stopping the boats um I hope that doesn't get clipped up so um of course that all that happened Lineker was basically saying that this is bullshit and this is ridiculous as as is as is his right freedom of speech exists and he was stood down by the BBC now I think he was anyway. I don't know if he's been reinstated. I know I heard. I heard. Um. I heard. He's been. I heard match of the day happens and wasn't wasn't that good. Um. Without any of them, of course, Ian Wright said that he wasn't going to do it. Gary. Um. Alan Shearer said he wasn't going to do it. So, by all accounts, match of the day was rubbish, and by all accounts, it was a pretty shit storm of a of an episode. And I think he's been back to hosting it. I think. Um. But basically. I think this this is a wider conversation. This allows for a wider conversation about, I wouldn't say politics in football, but the at least the response to politics in football. Because can I can I just flatten? Can I just say this well and truly say this right now? There is no such thing. Like there is no such thing as keep politics out of football. Politics and football are incredibly in, incredibly intertwined with each other, right? Right. So to at least say that we can at least to at least um, to at least kind of I don't know how to describe, it, but to at least accept this conversation and to at least acknowledge how this conversation is going to go, we need to acknowledge that politics and football incredibly inter- incredibly interlinked and will never be separated from each other right hence why sports watching has been a thing forever because politics because football is and sport in itself is a superb way to get around 
um, or to sports washing to make yourself look a lot better than what you are, right? Because of how good and because of the pop, the reputation that football has around around the world. So football and politics intrinsically linked. Okay, that's first and foremost. Secondly, when th- there is obviously obviously no right or wrong, maybe I should have said that. But there is okay. People have different models. People have different moral compasses. And regardless of your beliefs and regardless of your um, regardless of your regardless of your opinions, I do believe as as long as they're not ridiculously stupid, right? As long as they're not like I'm not going to say any potential opinions that someone could have, but I think you understand the proper extreme, just ridiculous opinions, right? People are people have the right to freedom of speech, which is the main crux of this conversation. People have the right to freedom of speech, and people have the right to express their opinion in a respectful, non-confrontational, non-aggressive tone, by all, by all means, right? And you cannot punish someone for having an opinion. You cannot punish someone for expressing that opinion in a respectful diplom- or non-confrontational way. And that is and I think the response by the BBC shows one thing to me, shows a couple of things, but firstly what it shows is fear. It shows a lot of fear that they can't have that the people that they have on their show can't have any agency over what their opinions are. And I think this is the problem in which a lot of mainstream media, and football in particular, has, is that there are no opinions anymore. It is, or there are no people anymore. It is just robots. You're getting robots to present shows because you can't have companies and organisations and TV broadcasters and talent agencies and production companies are scared of having someone who has a opinion because when you have an opinion there are people who disagree with that opinion and when people disagree with that opinion some shit can happen right and i think it's i think it's about having the 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 knowledge and the i think it's about having the knowledge and i wouldn't say integrity but having the I think it's about having the accountability and the responsibility and the knowledge of understanding I can have an opinion, but I need to construct my opinion in a way in which is not confrontational and is not aggressive. That's what I think has happened, and yet I think that has happened in this scenario, and yet he, the, the BBC have still responded in such a way. I think, I, I think freedom of speech is very important, and I think, obviously within reason, and I think, and I think you need to be able, because you need to be able to understand where you are and who you are and and what you are trying to portray, right? And the influence you have. And the reason I say this is because I was scrolling through the timeline recently and I, I did I tweeted about this. I think I might have actually no, I decided I decided against tweeting about it, but um 
something came up, came up on my timeline in which um, it was it was a clip from Sky from I think it was from, from the post game kind of punditry of a of a cut of a Chelsea Tottenham match in the Chelsea won the game two 0 at um at the the new London at the new Tottenham Stadium I think it was the the two 0 game where Rudiger, where um William scored a brace anyway um good game that one anyway um it was a game in which Antonio Rudiger was at least allegedly to have been racially abused and Gary Gary Neville was very public on the broadcast and was very um out there and very passionately pleading in a sense to the FA and to the PFA and to the people in charge to protect footballers because it was it was about he made the comparison in which we can point they could they could have pointed fingers to a bunch of other federations who weren't doing a whole lot of things of course I think I think it was around about that time in which some things have had had happened in Bulgaria I want to say with the England supporters um maybe things had happened in Italy with um Maybe it would have been Moisa Keane. I don't quote me on that, but I think it was around about that same timeline. I'm pretty sure. Um, and he was basically saying that we can point fingers to federations all we want, but we need to look at our back. We need to look in our own backyard and, and get our stuff sorted. And the host basically had to put a disclaimer saying that, that those weren't the views of Sky Sports. They were the views of Gary Neville. And. I kind of I didn't really think about that until I saw it on the timeline recently, or I saw it on the timeline yesterday, and I was I was thinking about it, and it made me think a lot about the way that we respond as people, as media, as pundits, as organisations, as broadcasters. It makes me it makes it made me think anyway about the way that we respond to things because we. We're there to watch football, right? We're, we're, when I switch on, I mean, when I switch on Optus Sport, but if you're in the UK and you switch on Sky Sports or you switch on the BBC or if you switch on ITV, switch on Amazon Prime, switch on fucking The Zone or whatever, you're there to watch sport. You're there to watch Chelsea play away at Brentford, midday kickoff. That's what you're there to watch, right? You're not there, well, maybe not midday kickoff, um, 4.30 on a Monday. You, that's what you're there to watch. You, you're, you're not there to watch a, you're not there to watch a political debate. You're not there to abuse the TV about what this person thinks about this person or this person thinks about this thing. You're there to watch a football. And I understand, and obviously I made the point earlier that football and politics are incredibly linked. However, there needs to be a little bit of a, there needs to be a line that you draw, and of course this line is incredibly arbitrary. I I understand this this line is incredibly arbitrary because where do you draw it, right? Where where do you draw where do you draw your moral line, right? But it, it goes back to the thing of you need to be able to separate it to an extent. And you need to be able to understand, okay, this person, within reason, obviously, and I, I, I need to clarify within reason because there are some things in which some people can think and there are some opinions that some people can have. And if they voice those opinions, they should be, shouldn't have, shouldn't be in a position of influence. But you need to be able to, you need to be able to allow people to express their opinions because that is how that is how you develop connections with people and that is how you get people 
that is how you be, that is how you develop a kind of two way communication kind of structure. If I'm telling you something and if I'm showing you something and if I'm the only person doing anything and you're just sitting there consuming it and not developing your own opinions about things, you're just your life is living is lived vicariously through me or through whoever based on whatever they say or based on whatever I say. That creates a lot of issues, right? That creates a lot of issues. And it creates that person is very uninteresting and is very not personable and is very disconnected. You need people who are connected to humanity. And being connected to humanity means having opinions and means being more than just the the, the match of the day presenter, right? That is what Gary Lineker is, and I think it, it is getting to the point now where we are punishing freedom of speech and we are punishing people having opinions, which is a dangerous game, very dangerous game. I think I waffled a bit. I hope my point got across well. I hope it did. I don't know if it did, but I hope it did. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's basically all I all I needed to say on that. Um, I think I, th- I think it is one of those things, right? Where it's like, what? Where do you draw the line? I don't know. Gary Lineker is obviously very good at what he does. Match of the day is obviously a big part of his life, and it's a big part of Alan Shearer's life, I assume, and. Ian Wright was another one who um, voiced his displeasure over the, over the over the decision. I'm I'm assuming, and I can almost guarantee that they are big parts of their life, or it is a big part of their life. So you can't dismiss it. You can't just say get over yourself, um, and they can't move on. Well, they can move on. They can move on. Gary Lineker can move on. Alan Shearer can move on. And Ian Wright can move on. They don't need match of the day. Right? But match of the day is such an institution that it is almost a battle worth fighting for. And I think they've won that battle in the end. I think they've backed down. The the, the powers that be have backed down and they have allowed common sense to shine through in a, sense, in a way. But um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Because we just have to wait and see. Alright, let's move on. Um, and let's touch on... Let's touch on the, the Barcelona corruption. How have I spoken for nearly 40 minutes? <laughs> um, I'm shocked. This is going to be a short episode. If This this will tick over 50, just, I think. Um, let's speak on the Barcelona corruption. Now, I, I, I kind of saved this topic. Um, I kind of saved this topic because for a rainy day, just in case something happened in which I need to speak about. But... Um, but uh, basically, this this has been in the news for quite a while. But basically, Barcelona, of course, are being are being investigated for some fraudulent funds in which have been sent to I think it was like the the referees like the assistant referees association or like the referees association or something like that. Now, now a lot of things have come out about this. Um, the 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 defense in which a lot of Barca people and Barca fans have jumped to is. Oh, people pay referees off. Um, people pay referees 
in terms not pay referees off, but people pay for referee consultants to understand how games are refereed and and what the limits are and what constitutes yellow card and red card and and dangerous play etc cetera, etc cetera, right so maybe it was that but i guess the fact that the fact that this has only come out is the only reason this has come out is because Barcelona are being investigated for their fraudulent funds and the fact that they're being now i think they're being investigated because of this as well um is quite funny but um i don't know if they've been found guilty i don't think they have i think i would have known if they had so it will be it will be kind of um it will be anyway sorry i got distracted um it will be it will be interesting to see what the potential punishment will be and i think the conversation about this isn't about what happened it's about the response to it and whether or not there should be more regulations in place to not allow this to happen um i don't know the ins and outs of it i can't be able to do my research because i don't really give a shit but uh, i say this as i'm about to cover it but I I think it's quite funny how we are we're in a position now in which there is a lot of when there is so much money in the game it's very hard to keep track of it very hard to keep track of it and especially in a in a time in which people are so smart people are like people are smarter than ever the technology is better than ever. Get the ability to get away with things is a lot easier than what it was a long time ago, and we're in a position now where being being able to remain competitive is arguably the number one, the number one kind of um, priority, right? And making Champions League football, winning the leagues, winning cups, signing the best players is number one priority because it brings more money into the club, right? And when you're a club like Barcelona who is in desperate need, desperate need of money, it's quite funny how, it's quite funny how, um, how, how this has come about, right? Should there be more regulations in place to stop all of this happening, potentially? Should there be a kind of audit? I'm assuming there would be, but should there be more stringent and regular audits of club finances potentially? But I guess people will find a way to get it to get around that more often, right? I think it doesn't. I don't think there's a quick fix to stopping potential things like this happening. I think this goes to show that if it's caught, if Barcelona have been caught doing it, um, who are if Barcelona have been caught doing it, I assume there's going to be more. Other, there's going to be other clubs of a similar elk who could be doing similar things. And I think the fight. I think the 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 corruption, obviously, the corruption kind of allegations. I wouldn't say it could have happened to a better club, but when you are so successful and when you are so rich and when you are so popular and when you are so in respected there's always skeletons in the closet always there's very little there's very little perfect football clubs out there so i don't think we should be surprised some some skeletons have are a little bit more out of the closet than others um but it's just i think it's just quite ironic um i think it's just quite ironic that all of this has come out um like i said it came out a while ago but but still um they are being I'm just going to quickly 
I'm just gonna quickly look it up on Google to see what I can what I can find about it. Um, to see what I can find about it. Um, yeah. Oh, so they have been charged. What's this? On fr- Friday, FC Barcelona was charged on Friday by the Barcelona provi- provin- provincial provisional, I think maybe, prosecution's office with continued corruption between individuals in the sports field in addition to other charges in relation to alleged payment scandal to which which has rocked Spanish football. Right, so they have been charged. Um, okay. So, maybe they should be kicked out of the Spanish league then. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think we'll just have to wait and see. Um... I probably should have done more research on this, to be honest. I probably should have cared more if I was going to speak about it. That's quite funny. But, um... Yeah, so it's actually quite... Yeah, so... So that, so they've accused them, I guess. Have been charged. I'm assuming this will go to some court and will be challenged and stuff, but once we know more details, I think I'll speak about it a little bit more. I, th- I think once it, once it comes to a conclusion, I'll speak about it. But, um... Yeah, it's quite funny. I think I think because it's not in the English game, because it's not in the English game, because it's not in the English conscious conscience. I think I, I think it's pretty maybe put on the back burner a little bit, but um, I think yeah, I think it's interesting though. I think it's interesting that it's happened. Um, if Barca are found guilty, what happens? Um. Here we go. In in documents presented to Barcelona's to Barcelona court on Friday, prosec- prosecutors said FC Barcelona reached reached and maintained a strictly confidential verbal agreement with Enrique's neg- not going to attempt to pronounce that name, not even going to try. Um, if you know the person who I'm referring to, you will know why. Not even going to attempt that because I'll butcher it, and if I butcher it, I'm fucked. Um. With Enriquez, so, so that in his capacity as vice president of the Spanish Football Referees Committee, and in exchange for money, he would carry out act- actions trending to favour Barcelona in decisions of making referees in the matches played by the club. Right, okay. So that's what prosecutors said. In terms of other sporting punishments, La Liga has said it cannot investigate because the case relates to events that took place more than three years ago. So statute of limitations obviously has passed. What a surprise. What a shock. Honestly. Honestly. Why is that even a thing for stuff like this? It is not possible it is not possible for there to be a, a sporting investi- a sporting punishment from our side. It's been five years since those payments stopped and these and these kinds of rule breaches are timed timed barred in our rule book three years after taking before after taking place. That's fucking bullshit, honestly. Um Right, okay. Did they get kicked out of the Spanish League? Who knows? Let me know your thoughts in the below what should happen to to Barcelona. But um I guess we'll have to wait and say I guess we'll keep following this up as as news breaks. Um They've been charged. I don't think they. I don't think they've been found guilty yet. I don't think. Yeah, they haven't been found guilty. They've been charged. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So yes, it 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 is one of the um, it is one of the um, it is it is a. It is an interesting development. Very interesting development. All right, let's finish. Let's move. Let's let's end this. Let's. Oh, my dog has just barked loudly. You can probably hear her. She's gonna bark at you. 
There you go. Could definitely hear her that time. Anyway, I think that's her sign to say shut up and wrap things up. Apologies if this is a slightly shorter episode, slightly more rambly, slightly more just all over the place. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing of interest happened. Right? Last week I spoke for an hour and a half. So listen to the second half of last week's pod again if you want more of my ramblings. I don't know why you would. Because, yeah, but anyway, let's move on. Let's preview, shall we? Um, let's preview and then let's wrap, this, wrap things up. All right. Victory Western United is happening in 15 minutes. So I'm going to go um, finish this and go watch that. Really hope Victory win. We need to win. Um, I'm going to go 1-0 Victory for Naroli goal in the 70th minute, 72nd minute. Um, you, of course, would have known what happened, so um, if I'm wrong, there you go. Champions League is back. We're going to go quick fire predictions again. Um, Porto, Inter, Inter 1-0, go through 2-0 on aggregate. City, Leipzig, City 3-1, go through 4-2 on aggregate. Napoli Frankfurt, Napoli 1 0, go through 3 0 on aggregate. Real Madrid Bas- Real Madrid Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool 3 0, 4 2 on penalties. Fuck it. Um, Europa League, Jesus Christ. Um, Sevilla vs. Fenabacha, um, 1 0, Sevilla, no, 1 0, Sevilla go through 3 2. Final vs. Shakhtar. 2-0 final, 3-1 on aggregate. Freiburg versus Juventus. Freiburg 2-0, go through 2-1 over Juventus. Batiste versus United. I'm going to go Batiste 2-0. And obviously, Man United go through 4-3 on aggregate. Um, Arsenal versus Sporting um, Sporting Club. I found out recently they don't like being called Sporting Lisbon because that would be like calling, that'd be like calling Chelsea, Chelsea London, which I was like, there you go. That would be annoying. So don't call him Sporting Lisbon. Call him Sporting Club, I think. Or Sporting Club? Or just Sporting. Anyway, um, they, they, they've got their two all over Arsenal. Um, I reckon it'll be 1-0 Arsenal to go 3-2 three, three, on aggregate. Leverkusen versus some Hungarian club, which I'm not going to try and pronounce. Um, Leverkusen 1-0, go 3-0 on aggregate. Um, Real Sociedad versus Roma. Roma 1-0, go 3... Roma 1-0, go 3-3-0 on aggregate. And Union versus Union... Um, Belgium versus Germany, I think Union Berlin will win 1-0 away from home and go through 4-3 on aggregate. Um, anything, any interesting thing happening? Not really, not really, not really. Great, FA Cup action. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, next week, so not next, pa- not, po- not next podcast, but the podcast after is international break. So, sick. That's going to be great. All right, thank you very much for watching another episode of the Two Foot Attacker podcast. Apologies if this is a terrible, apologies if this is a terrible, um, if this has been a not, a, not a good episode, bit of a reset pod, more of me chatting shit, you got some carpentry kind of tips, and you got like a little bit of a tour of my house, with the wall and the backdrop, the reasoning behind it, at the start of it, this has been a shambles, I apologise, but if something happens next week regarding football, then I'll speak about it, so there we go, alright, I say that, Barcelona got charged for max, for match fixing, Barcelona literally got charged with paying the refs. Maybe I should have spoken more about that. Maybe I should have made that the um the main thing about it. But anyway, that that who cares? It's fine. All right. Thank you very much for watching another episode of the Two Foot Attack podcast. Subscribe, like, to all the good stuff. Thank you very much for sticking around. Um, tune in next week if you want a proper podcast. There you go. All right. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking around. See you guys next time and goodbye.